Welcome to another episode of Why Christ. I'm here with my friend Andrew, and we're going to talk about determinism and free will and what that has to do with the secular and Christian worldviews. All right, we're back for another episode of Why Christ. I'm here, like I said, with my buddy Andrew. We've been friends yep. for since this, since August, right? September-ish? Since school started? It's, it's felt like forever. Yeah, it's been just a lifelong friendship. Yep. And uh, we uh, just have a, both have a mutual love for theology and trying to like figure out God's word. We don't proclaim to be experts of any kind, but we like the dialogue, the discussion. And we just want to kind of dive into this free will and determinism discussion because I think it has a lot of real world implications, especially like the secular worldview, especially because it seems to me that if you live in a determinism mindset, which is the kind of the idea that everything is cause and effect, it's being constantly controlled by either nature or God, and all of your actions have been determined by some other force other than within yourself. And because because of that worldview, I think you can have a lot of drastic effects. So then the free will offers the alternative to that, which is just saying, hey, actually, instead of it, you just being a part of this cause and effect world and you're just being controlled by everything, no, no, you have some agency here. You have some choices that, that you can actually make for yourself. But what what do you think is the, the biggest issue with this determinism and free will debate? What do you think is so important about it? One of the biggest things that's important about that, I think, is I think the fact that a lot of – I think on a, a bit on a bigger scale, really, is it can divide the church into two separate parties. Mm. Um, and I think ultimately that this is about why Christ. You have to keep in mind, like, Christ is the main focus. Mm -hmm. And yes, predestination is biblical. It's in the Bible. It says it. But I would also argue that there's free will because Christ died for all. Like there's other, there are verses that you can go that can talk in depth with that as well. Um, but I would agree with you, I think, Levi. If that's your, was, was your question about um, – Just the importance yeah, of the importance. free will. Yeah, just like yeah. the importance of the conversation in general. I think it needs to be had because we can either go about living our lives thinking like, you know, I, everything is determined and so be it. Uh, a good friend of mine actually just recommended – I have to read it, but he recommended me this book. It's called Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. Mm. I'm pretty sure this guy is a determinist, but I, depending on your world – or not necessarily world, I guess Christian um, outlook on this whole situation, that can really depend on how you evangelize to people. Yeah. Because um, <clears throat> if I'm a determinist, I would say, oh, well, if he's if he's elected to go to heaven, then we don't really have to – Pray for him, whatever he goes. He's good. Yeah, why would we right, put why in the would effort if God's why already put we? it in there? Yeah, but yeah. I would also say that if you're, if you just think, oh, he's probably not in the elect. We don't have mm -hmm. to, whatever. You know, I'm like, oh, well, that's an even bigger issue because if we do that, then, well, who knows? Because we don't know their salvation. It's only Christ. We can yeah. do our best, but like this is really sad. But um, I think it was on Saturday, February twelfth. I think whatever that day that was, fourteenth. I think it was on Valentine's Day. Um. Ravi Zacharias International Ministries actually came out. Um, the, if you guys don't know who that guy is, he's this a Christian apologetist. He just died last year, and he had two hundred pictures of like naked women on his like just in his house or whatever. Like he was actually under sexual assault allegations. Like just the really? works, I yeah. And I was blown away by it because I thought I I, thought I had a lot of respect for this man, yeah. and he was somebody like. You watched and you're just you're trying to wrap your mind about how he's answering everything and we out of anyone that you would think like within a church it would be this guy who's going to heaven because he has all yeah. the answers but in actuality we don't even know if he repented before he died um, 
yeah, that I would just that's so important because you just you never know. And yeah, that's, that's the, a perfect example of why you just can never know. Um, you can never know if someone's gonna go to heaven or not, and that's why it's important to to, to talk about this stuff because yeah. people. Anyways, yeah, people. Yeah, have no, choice. these discussions are incredibly yeah. important. Um, for so I th- I don't think either of us would fall in the determinist camp on either a secular level or a Christian level. I think we would. I think I'm speaking fairly to say we'd both go closer to the the free will camp. Uh, maybe in the a uh, little bit in the combativeist camp, which is kind of like the joining of those two worlds. But before we like make the case for the free will answer, I think it's important to make the best case we can for the determinist case. So let's talk a little bit about determinism and what it what it looks like. What's what's the arguments for it? And I actually think the arguments for it are really good on a secular level. I think if you don't believe in a god, you actually I don't think there's even a good argument for free will without God. I think the kind of free will and God go hand in hand. And if you don't yeah. have you don't have God, you can't possibly have free will because everything we've seen from a, a scientific perspective, from a secular perspective, is that we live in a cause and effect world. This happens, that causes this to happen, which causes this to happen. And we just see that over and over again throughout science, throughout all these different parts of our natural being. So as a being a determinist, I think you, if you're a secular worldview, I think you're kind of stuck with determinism because there's a lot of really good arguments for determinism uh, from a secular worldview. And so if you're trying to uh, become, it's kind of interesting because if you believe in free will and you don't believe in God, I don't think you actually can make those arguments because I, I don't, I don't see how free will can possibly exist without God. Do you agree? Yeah, it would have to come from a Christian perspective, like you said. Yeah. Like, you'd have to understand the implications as to why that would be the case. Because mm-hmm. you could be the smartest guy in the world and say, I have free will. But if you don't know the reasons as to why you do, which we'll get into in a little bit, yeah. if they don't know why you do, then that's just, I don't know, a lot of it's just, it would just be ignorance. Like, I think you'd have to, the person who believes in free will um, and doesn't know Christ, they'd have to really, they'd have to know why. But even still, I think... Just between you and I, I think we can really debunk those arguments pretty well, but also we're coming from a pretty biased perspective. But we're trying to keep it open. But with, yeah. that, with that in mind, yeah, it would be really difficult to do. If yeah. Anything. If you didn't, if you didn't believe in God too, what I've always found really interesting is because most people, I would say almost all people, very very few, maybe in a in a weird camp, act as if free will exists. Meaning they they don't behave as if every decision they make is predestined or, or some or some other force caused it to happen. They they act as if free will does exist. I mean they they feel regret when they make a bad decision. They feel remorse when they hurt somebody. They they feel pride when they succeed at something. They they have these emotions that kind of correspond with the way they're acting as if they're responsible for it. But if you're a determinist and if you believe in determinism, you really can't say I'm I'm proud that I succeeded at this thing. Or that I'm, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. Because at the end of the day, you'd be like, well, I'm, I, I know I hurt your feelings, but it wasn't, it wasn't me. It was just this cause and effect world we live in. I really had no choice but to hurt you. Or if you succeeded, if you got a promotion at a job, you're like, thanks. But I mean, it was just kind of cause and effect that made you give me the promotion from the cause and effects that made me do the actions that made you want to give me a promotion. Yeah. There's really no room for accountability or... Or success in any in any real way. I think it's a really dark way to live about your life is living in a determinist mindset because really anything you do can't be held accountable. Like I, that doesn't really make sense with our mm-hmm. our justice system. I mean, if you have a murder and you you find out that this man murdered another man, you can't really hold them accountable in a moral sense because I mean, what was he gonna do? He was determined to make that decision. 
So it makes it really, really, really uh, difficult. And then when we bring it to a Christian perspective too, it's even a bigger issue when you talk about God's justice and what's God's going to do on this world. Because I think we both believe that God is a is a really just God. But if God's going to be held, holding people accountable for sins that He determined them to commit, you get some you get into some dicey water. So when we talk, so I what do you think of anything else? And like, how why is it that so many people believe in determinism from a ideological sense, but seem to behave? As if they're free will agents. I was actually going to flip that a little bit on its head too because I think it's funny because everyone acts like, oh, you know, I can do whatever I want. Like we have freedom. We live in America. We can do whatever. You know, we have freedom. It's our right. It's our privilege, whatever, you know, and which I think there's freedom should be allowed for everybody. Let's just put that out there. Right. But um, it's almost it's funny because when something bad happens to somebody or when you have something that you just it happens and it's unexpected and it's sad or whatever the case may be you hear that good old saying oh you know like it's just the way it goes or there's you know everything happens for a reason and i'm and i think well if you're a free will guy if you believe that like oh i can do whatever i want i'm a free will person when you say something like well everything happens for a reason like what's your (laughs) point in that yeah you know i think to come back with like the what you were talking about i think it's more potentially like a reductionist like view with somebody believing in determinism because it's like, I did this, but well, why did you do it? Well, I did this for this reason. You just keep asking the word why and eventually gets refined to it. It's just like this cosmological, I can't even speak, cosmological. Cosmological? Cosmological, I suppose that's the word, yeah. Cosmological argument of like, you know, that first cause or like all these things are done eventually. And even if you are determinist too, eventually I think you'd have to come to the conclusion if you just think things are just a cause and effect, you have to come back to that question of who is the first causer, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of people would say the universe. I, I, mean, I talked to a guy who says, I, I believe the universe. I'm like, okay, well then what caused the universe? Mm. Because surely the universe was caused by something. Yeah. You know, and it's like there's nothing – because eventually at some point in time, the universe is going to run out of energy. And that's going to be billions of years from now. But at some point, it's going to happen. So you have to wonder – it started somewhere, yeah. And people will say the Big Bang, yeah. Whatever. That's getting into a different topic, but like you know. So I think that's the that's the determinist, the atheistic determinist's biggest. Um, that's their biggest flaw in their argument is wondering about, well, who was the first causer? Yeah, the unmoved mover, the, the first, unfer- un- unmoved, uncaused first causer, whatever you want. What do you want to say? It. Yeah, that's it. Because so. yeah, because if the, if you're living with the mindset that we live in a cause and effect world, that everything you do is just a product of space dust that's been pushed by other space dust that eventually formed us over billions yeah. and billions of years, and then every neuron in our brain that fires is because something else happened before that released a chemical that shot off neurons that re- yeah. re- re- resulted in electrons being shot down my arm to spasm my muscles to move them. All of that was determined by cause and effects way back when and to not go too far off the trail it is true that they just kind of kept kicking the ball down the field i mean we'd be like okay what caused that what caused that and eventually they got to the big bang and we re- and they realized we don't really have a cause after that so then they brought up like the oh maybe it's just an infinite loop and then there really is no need for a cause and then they figured out philosophically that doesn't make sense so then they're like a multiverse theory but that's going off on a whole different tangent. So, yeah, we probably should stick to what we talk about. <laughs> so if we're, if we're bringing this back to the, the Christian side of things, we, talk, we already talked about how it seems impossible to have a free will ideology with an atheistic ideology. So if we're branching into free will, let's first start with the parameters that 
that God has to exist for free will to exist. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the different the views within the Christian worldview. So within the Christian worldview, there is a determinism one, but it's with God determining actions and, and things. Then there's the free will where God kind of, the really, really libertarian free will is God kind of sits back and lets everything happen as they wish. Or there's the uh, compatibilist uh, worldview where basically it's a mixture of both worlds where like God determines yeah. some things. You have some agency, um, but they kind of work together. And then there's there's a big spectrum. You can fall anywhere between those those three. So where where do you line up first and why do you think that's the right view? Yeah, in wrestling with this question, I'm pretty sure I'd have to fall in the free will category. Mm-hmm. I've talked with people about the determinism and then compatibilism seemed compelling, but – you know, I think after talking with professors at school or just with friends, there's a lot of reasons as to why I think it would make more sense for it to be free will. But I do, I, get, I will say, I get caught up with this question. I was asked this question my sophomore year in college, and it was, you know, how can something, I don't think I, I think I can answer it too here, but it was how can a person have free will if it was given to them? Like, surely if you have free will, it shouldn't be. Even if it's freely given, it's still acted and it's still given, you know. Mm. So maybe it's not entirely free will. But then I think if you are a Christian, you're a believer, you can honestly uh, avert or you can go back to the the argument of like Imago Dei. You know, we're made in the image of God. And if that inquires, it requires us to have free will, then I think that's a good argument for that too. Yeah. But yeah, long story short, I think I'm a free will guy. Yeah, I, I would think I'm, I'm one too, but I would say I'm uh... – I don't even think that free will is a good word for everything I believe because I think that I think free will is not just God letting me do as I please because then I would just be stuck in this cause and effect world. God has to actively do something in my view to allow me to make my decisions, which is kind of like it's kind of uh, it's almost like a uh, what's the word for it? Um forgetting the actual word for it, but basically it's God is has to actively do something in order to give me free will. Now, I kind of picture this like this domino set being knocked down and every domino is hitting the next domino and that's like the cause and effect universe we live in. And I'm just one of those dominoes. And eventually the universe is going to smack me and I'm going to inevitably have to fall down exactly how physics and all the other laws of nature kind of make me fall down. So I think God almost has to stop the cause and effect world just to allow me to make two decisions to decide where I'm going to fall down. Am I going to fall down left or right instead of just falling down where physics kind of predestines me to go? So it's interesting because it's not just free will as if a hands off kind of worldview, but it's also not a determinism worldview where God is like individually controlling all the dominoes. It's a uh, God actually stops the cause and effect world around me and allows me to make a decision between A, B or C. And so yeah. that that's that's kind of interesting to me because then it it sounds almost like compatibilism. However, compatibilism kind of says that God is in control of the decision I make after that, which is why I would fall in more of the free will camp. But yeah. let's talk about Christians who are in the determinism camp pretty pretty strongly. Like mm-hmm. Christians that believe that God is God is in control of everything. What 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 kind of implications are there? You talked about the implications of going out and evangelizing. But um, what what more do you have on that? I think the biggest thing, and I've had a good friend tell me this. He says he always goes back to the question, well, is God sovereign? And personally, it's like you think, well, as a Christian, you have to say, well, yes, he is. And I think that can be somebody who doesn't really know 
well how to best defend the free will argument that they get locked and trapped in that oh no like i don't know if i can really come back with it with like a free good free will argument because of god's sovereign and he has sovereignty over all my choices and i think a lot of it too is in romans 9 like there's so many scriptures where it seems like the terminus is like ha i got you mm-hmm. like you can't can't escape like they're trying to catch you in it but i think if you take a step back reanalyze scripture and kind of get to the heart of because especially in romans 9 like what paul is saying it's not all about the, what people usually think of consider romans 9 to be isn't what it actually is mm. you know there's more implications he's actually writing to I, we can get to that a little bit later but um i mean personally i would say that like with with that in mind i think with the question of is god still sovereign hopefully this answers your question yeah <laughs> but, no um, yeah because i think if because if god is still sovereign i think it would be something um like you said is he, he stops that like determined almost like uh, that predestined mm. fate for lack of a better term you know he, he stops that and then gives you the choice the inner out and i think sovereignty definitely comes with i think you can actually be sovereign i think it gives you even more sovereignty if you have that over people who have free will mm. because to have to be a god who is only sovereign over people who you know unconsciously or consciously follow him or because they were made to follow him, which I think we were all created to worship God. I think that's why we're here, mm-hmm. you know. But some people choose to deny that, and they trade God for a lie, and God gives them over to their desires, whatever that may be. Yeah. In Romans one, right? Um, that's more about sexual immorality, but even still, that I think that would still follow. That's probably what is, that's really important to keep in mind is that God is still sovereign, but I think even more so, it gives him more authority if he is sovereign over free will agents and not mm. just people without free will. I think you're exactly right. And I think one of the things that people kind of forget is the greater picture of things. Like you, like yeah. you mentioned, why are we all here to begin with? And we've talked about this on later uh, or in earlier episodes rather, but one of the things we talked about a lot is that we're here to bring glory to God. Like that's our ultimate mm-hmm. purpose, but the, you can't, I don't think you can bring glory to God by just making a robot that worships, which is what we would be. If I, I think what we would be, if we didn't have free agency, we just have a program to do a thing. I don't think that's what God wants. I think God wants a relationship. And a relationship only is a true relationship if both parties are consenting to that relationship. So God's consenting to going out and and loving us and being in a relationship with us. And we're consenting back to being in the relationship. And if we don't consent, then that's we decide not to make that relationship work. So keeping that in mind, I also find myself in a weird camp because I also am one to believe that um, verses that talk about in, in the Gospels about uh, the shepherd leaving the 99 to go grab the one, to go grab the one sheep and basically like grab you kicking and screaming all the way. Because that's, that's kind of how my whole story of becoming a Christian really went. It wasn't like me actively seeking God. It was me actively fighting against God and God doing everything in his power to bring me to him. But I don't think it was that he overrided my free will at all. I think he just knew the exact things that he needed to do in order to convince me or to like persuade me to come into a relationship with him. I kind of view God as like almost the ultimate chess player, meaning he has free will to move his pieces wherever he wants. I have free will to move my pieces wherever he wants, but God, God's always going to win the chess game because he's the best chess player <laughs> there's, there's ever been for lack of a better, yeah. uh, better term. So I, I don't think it's the, that I think God still has sovereignty. Um, and he has, I think he has sovereignty over his creation, but part of his creation was to have free will. Part of his creation was to be given that ability to decide one way or the other. 
And I think that's what really makes his creation so glorifying to him is that those who choose to follow him choose to follow him because they desire him, not because they're being programmed to desire him. Yeah, and I think just to – I don't even say – I've actually just to push back on that a little bit, I'd want to even more so clarify just of where you're at. I'm thinking would how would that be different than irresistible grapes? That's – Irresistible grapes. How is that different? No, irresistible grace. How would that be different? Because that's one of the, that's tulip. That's one of the five points of Calvinism. So how would God coming after you, like he would the 99 sheep, how would that be different than irresistible grace if you rejected him, like in the beginning of your life? Like what was, how is, where's the difference with that? That's a good question. Um, with irresistible grace, so it's been a while since I've been over the, these terms. So is, is, so just so I'm clear, irresistible grace is the idea that uh, God will basically hand out an extended hand towards you and you have almost, it's just too irresistible to pass up. Like it's too good of an offer. Is that basically yeah, what like it is? No matter if you accept, like, you could be a person who completely outright rejects God, but at some point God's grace will overcome you and you'll be like, I now believe in Jesus. Like, so I'd say I, I somewhat agree with that, except my view is that every single person, because my, my view is, is somewhat Calvinist in the sense, because I, I think that every single person on the planet naturally uh, rebels against God because of our, of our sins, our, our natural impulses. We are natural. Like I want to, I want to in, in, indulge in, in, in lust and lying and thievery and, and, and aggression and anger. Those are things that I just naturally want to, be are am I driven towards and I think it takes God going out there and almost doing all the work for me to save me and so that gets kind of into like the predestination realm which is something I've I've battled with for a long time but the, the reason I keep going back to it and I can't just outright deny predestination is because it's on a person on such a personal level that's exactly how it felt it didn't it didn't feel like I really did any of the work like it felt like God almost did all the work for me. Like he was the one that went in and changed my heart from, from rock to flesh. He's the one that went out there and gave me the evidence I, I asked for. He was the one that worked the miracles that I needed to have done. Mm -hmm. He was the one that pretty much did every step of the work. And all I was doing was running from it. Even when he gave me, because I always used to just have a conversation with God and being like, you know, if you just gave me enough evidence, if there was just enough evidence, I would be on mm -hmm. your side. I'd yeah. join you. And then when he provided that evidence, I was like, oh, that's not evidence. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm still not about it. <laughs> yeah, and so, definitely. Yeah, so God basically had to do all the work for me. So that's why I've always had to go back to predestinationism because even though that I feel I, – I, I don't – I think that anyone can become a Christian. I also have a hard time thinking that anyone could do it without God doing at least 99% of it. <laughs> yeah, because we love because Christ first loved us. And it's, I'm honestly, now that I'm thinking about the tulip out loud, um, just that, those five points, don't ask me to name them all because I don't know <laughs> if I can, but there's, there's definitely, you know, with, um, the first one being total depravity, mm. right? I think it's all, we're all depraved, deprived. And I don't think we can, cause Ephesians 2, 10 says, well, we're dead in our transgressions. Like we can't yeah. do that stuff by ourselves. Yeah. But I think with that being said, it's, I think it's good to note that, because we can't do anything, because Christ has to love us first in order for us to love him back. He has to reach out and do that first, mm -hmm. um, being sovereign. And I think that he, I think he shows complete sovereignty in that. It's like, you can't do this alone. Like, you need me. Yeah. You know, I think there's a choice here because if you're a Christian and you believe in free will, you have to come to the conclusion of, like, 
well, without God, I can only do one thing, mm. and that is to sin. Mm. I can't do anything else. I can only sin. I could raise $4 million for charity, and it could be a good thing. But without God, like, those works mean nothing. You know, and I honestly, I couldn't speak to Ravi Zachariah's heart, but if he did all that stuff out of pride and arrogance and just hit his sin under the table and never was repentant of it, like, mm-hmm. what good was it for? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure he was a, I'm sure that he probably knew God to some extent and loved the Lord, but like, it is one of those things that you, you question. Yeah. But I think with that come that comes with, uh, with being a Christian, I think like we were talking about, we're at least leading into, I'm probably jumping the gun a little bit here, but, um, with that being said, you can either, with God's invitation, you can either do A or not do A, mm. right? There's now you have a place of, okay, I can either keep sinning or I know there's something greater and God is inviting me to step into something bigger than myself and I can choose him and not sin. So I think with that sense, that's why I'm a free will guy. That's probably mm-hmm. the big reason yeah. is because at that point you have there is agency to do A or not do A. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? No, I think you're exactly right. Um, well, I want to continue this conversation. We're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll get right yeah. back into it because I think this this free will discussion within the Christian community is super important. So we'll be right back. All right, we're back. So before our break, you asked me about this this idea of free will being like an A or not A situation. I think I think you're definitely right there. Um, but I think I think we even have more dis- decisions than than that. I don't I, I don't mean to misrepresent you, but you, were you saying that we're limited to A or not A, or are you just saying that that's one way to to view it? Yeah, when we're faced with God intervening in our lives, and it comes to a point where you can either choose me or not choose me. Yeah, I think at that point, for the person, they can have the ability to do A or not do A. Yeah, and with A being to choose God or to not choose God, because once you know that there is a God and there is evidence for his existence and you think oh this is this is it like mm-hmm. i i have to choose mm-hmm. once when there's that moment in your life when you know that that's where it gets critical where you have to think if i because if you keep sinning like because my question to you was like i just want to know what your thoughts were on that like, yeah if you keep sinning or if do you walk with christ like what you're yeah and I, to you, add to it you bring up ravi zacharias too and it, it's so sad to hear that i didn't even know about this until we, we started talking because that that's that's really I mean that's that's a, a great example of like you really don't know a man's heart. Um, I mean I I could have if I had to put money on the the most like the most likely to have a good relationship with God based on my knowledge of him I would have said either Ravi Zacharias or or some other one of the greatest like apologists of our time like uh, um, spacing is William something. William Lane Craig. Yeah, thank you. WLC. Yeah, yeah, another guy. It'd be, it'd be, I'd be torn between those two men. So that's yeah. that's pretty devastating. But it is it is part and parcel of showing that there's it's about that relationship you have with God and like no one really knows what that relationship looks like and it's not anything about like your whatever your actions to the outside world are like you could if if anyone had good works it would have been Rabbi Zacharias going all around the world with his organizations and bringing people to Christ. You know, like that guy was the the picture of good works, but that obviously um, didn't shine through to his his private life. Um, but going back, getting back to your question, this a or not a discussion and, and free will. I also wonder if how this kind of plays into our evangelism efforts, because that's something I've struggled with too. Because, like I said before, I'm I'm kind of more on the predestination side of it. I'm a free will guy 
who also brings in predestination to some sense, which is kind of an interesting uh, paradigm, if that's the right word for it. But um, so that's something I've debated too is, is my, if I go out and evangelize people, if I go out and try to seek people for the Lord and try to talk to them about Christianity, am I only doing it because God told me to, or am I doing it because I hope that it actually works? But if as a predestination person, I don't even know if like it can work unless God does something, you know, like, the, but then I go back to the, oh, I guess, well, I just have to do it because God could potentially, potentially use me to bring someone to the Lord. But it's, it's one of those things I've gone back and forth on. So what do you think our, our duty in evangelism is? Are we just supposed to do it just because God told us to, and then maybe he'll use us or, 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 or do you think it's a uh, God will, or do you think that we can actually do something out of our own accord? Like, do you think if I present a good enough argument to somebody, they'll come to Christ? Or how do you think that kind of works out with evangelism? Evangelism isn't, I would imagine, just all of Scripture in general, it's so much of a heart posture. Mm. It really is the, yeah, you because know, you have the law yeah. in Leviticus that was written in like Leviticus. You have all these different laws. I think 614 something of them they had to all do and, at least, and if they did, that there was sacrifices and atonements for those things. And now Jesus comes onto the scene hundreds of years later and is saying, you know, with people who never commit adultery physically, he says, well, if you even lusted a woman, mm. you've committed adultery. Yeah. If you're angry with somebody, you've committed murder. So I think he shows that this is the degree of the law. It was never about following the rules, being a good person. It was always about the heart behind it. Mm. And I think evangelism is the same way because... In Matthew twenty eight nineteen, what Jesus is telling his disciples is to go teach people the way I've taught you and make it reproducible. And I think with that in mind, Jesus was all loving. Yeah. His message was to do that because one day God's gonna come back and we're gonna be out of time. Yeah. You know, and it's like there there's definitely an urgency to go and share it. And that yeah. looks different. I've been really I've been convicted in so many ways of how to actually go about and share whether that's actually just praying for somebody, asking them for prayer. If you go up and just, or even just keep it in your head as you walk by and pray for them, or actually share the gospel with them, like verbally or through your actions. There's so many ways you can do it. Um, so, if you're listening, I would encourage you just to do that any way that you believe the Lord is calling you to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, but to get to your question, it's in Matthew Matthew 25. It's the sheep and the goats, and so essentially, this is him. This is Jesus telling of like the scene of on Judgment Day. He'll put the goats on his left and the sheep on his right. And he asks these questions. He asks, or he says this, For the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. Let the king have prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Now, that's pretty remarkable because they go out later and ask, like, well, Lord, how did we do that? And he says, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And they did these things not because they think, oh, God's watching me and he's going to he'll mm. he's gonna check everything because, oh, well, because that's, you know, we both know that's not heaven. It's yeah. not like a, not a check. This is not legalism. It's not strictly, there's a, there is a holy tension to live between legalism and, and love, mm. right? You have, and grace, really. You have to live in that middle ground. I don't think the people who are going to go to heaven are the people who are stressed out about this checklist we have to complete. And like, yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know. Like, oh, uh, you know. So you have to 
I think it's it's very much a heart posture with evangelism. Mm-hmm. And I think that even comes with this question, I think, really becomes obsolete determinism or free will with that because we can't we can't just say, oh, well, it's predetermined that they're going to go to hell, so we're just not going to minister to them. Yeah. Or, oh, you know, they sound like a pretty good person. I'm pretty sure God has elected them to be one of his because people have thought about that of numerous pastors. Mm. And, you know, like in the 90s, there was like, the people like the priests, like, you know, in Boston, all over the world, these priests, if, I don't know if you heard about this in the 90s, they had um so many like sexual allegations against priests with kids. It was messed up and it was horrible, mm-hmm. you know, but priests, everyone looks to a priest, you know, you go to a priest, if you swear on them, you hear a, a, somebody say, oh, I'm sorry, priest, I didn't mean to I didn't say, you know what I mean? Like they, yeah. there's a level they of authority like the holy there. Authority figures. Yeah. yeah. It's like they're the authority figure and they're the ones messing up yeah. too. And it shows you that. That's why it's so important to have the gospel. Yeah. I think you know? you're right. So I would just, yeah, I would say it's definitely a heart posture with evangelism. If that can answer the question as best as I can, yeah. it's, it's definitely a heart posture. I, I completely agree. The last thing I wanted to discuss is this. So I, as I mentioned like earlier, I was saying that I think we all live as if we have free will, even mm-hmm. if you might not ideologically think we have free will, but we all live as if we have free will. And I think that's actually the better way to live your life. I think if you live your life, thinking all your actions are determined it's pretty counterproductive because i don't think you can actually really achieve anything you can't be really proud of your things yeah it's apathetic yeah exactly so but then i think with free will there's also the uh almost the the dark side of it which means that you're held like what's our responsibility level look like with free will like we have free will we have this amazing gift to break this chain of cause and effects with this amazing gift to decide a or not a so what is our responsibility levels that come with that? Because it's obviously not just a wonderful present. There's also some responsibility aspects to it. The responsibility is incredibly simple, Levi. But it's honestly probably one of the hardest things anybody can ever do. Mm. And that's what Jesus says in the gospel. Of, honestly, he probably says in every single gospel book there is. But like um, the four gospels, he says this. It's... um. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So essentially you have loving God and loving people. Those are the two things that to keep in mind. And that's what it boils down to. Like when, when we, so we ask why Christ, and it's like to love God and to love people. If we keep those things in mind and we do as Christ did and keeping those as perfectly as we can. And of course there's grace for those things, but like, I think a, what separates a real Christian from somebody who calls himself a Christian but doesn't really walk it out is exactly that. They don't walk it out. Mm. You know, so there's definitely there's importance there making sure that you can walk out your faith and love God and love people. And it's so hard, but you can't be apathetic with loving people. You know, yeah. I, I don't I don't have ever tried to like, oh, it's just really I mean, there are definitely people that probably are harder to love, but it's not like I don't know if you can probably speak to that. Like it would it'd be silly to say, like, oh, I love you, but you actually really don't. Like then why do you why are you saying it? Mm. You know what I mean? Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, no, it's it's definitely interesting. And honestly, one of the things that's so frustrating about the, the English language is it's such a science based language, not really a romance language. So yeah. there's, there's we're kind of restricted by our vocabulary, um, for sure. Because like and even in Greek there's five languages from for love, which makes it a little easier to discuss. Because I, I think that I think it's actually it's pretty hard, if not impossible, to love everyone the same. And I actually don't think 
like I, I one of the things that I've always had a uh, when I look to to Jesus or to God as like the prime example for these types of things. If you were to look at God as the the, the greatest Father, right? And I think He loves all of His creation to some extent, meaning even like the mountains, the rivers. I think He loves that too, but it's not at all how He loves people, right? And I think He loves people in some elevated sense of that love, and I and I think He loves His children being people that follow him and have a relationship with him even more than that because a good father loves his children more than anybody else i think that's one of the things that makes a good father a good father and so i think that god has some sort of more intimate special relationship with that so they're bringing that to how we should live our lives i think we need to have some level of love or maybe a better word in english would be respect for our neighbors our our, our respect for them in terms of like you and me are both creations of God. We're equal. We're, we can we can work together. We can cooperate, and then have an elevated sense of love for your children, your your closest like family members and stuff like that. But it's really it's really difficult to fully understand because it it would seem wrong to love everyone as much as you love your children. Almost like like as almost as if you're not being a good father by being treating them like special. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean that's exactly what God does for us, right? Yeah. He treats us all. In our unique way, I think he has a way of speaking to us. I think it first comes through his word. Mm. But as somebody who's also, you know, believes in the power of the Holy Spirit, I think he speaks to us in other ways too. Mm. And I mean, this is the living word of God. I think we have to keep the Bible here with like, we have to make sure we read this. Like, if we don't read this, then we're we're not doing something right. Because yeah. this is what God has given us to really live our lives well, you know. But um, with that said, I think... Oh my goodness! We well, I think we have to make sure that we love people as best as we can. Yeah, it's gonna look different. Yeah, you know, like I think, like I love you, Levi, but that's in a different way that I like. I would love my fiance, Cammy. Yeah, right. That's just that's just different, or in a different way that I love God. And I think the way it is, be like a phileo relationship, because mm, phileo is yep. like a brotherly love in Greek, and then agape is that God type love where it's sacrificial. Christ dies for your sins, like that really powerful, like, yeah. whoa, baby, that's a lot of love right there. You know I mean, that's like, whoa, you know, it's, that's the kind of love that we're talking about. And it's, yeah. you're right. I think the English language doesn't do a great job of doing our emotions justice with some <laughs> words, you know, but because I think he said in Greek has like five different, I know of, I think personally, I know of three, I think I, I remember two. I know of like a three personally in the Greek you can use for love but yeah there's like but it still stands it eros still is like the sexual eros. love or eros or whatever yes it is. that and was yes now, see, now i know three <laughs> like, that works agape is like the yeah. Yeah, godly love and then mm-hmm. what, are, what was the other one you just mentioned phileo the phileo yeah yeah but yeah i think there's two others but i, I could be wrong yeah <laughs> oh but you know here's how that ties in well with evangelism because with that heart and mind like there's the way you love your god but I'd have to look at the translation of actually what that says. Yeah. But I'd imagine it's like agape kind of love. It's like you have to be sacrificial with God, you know. I mean, Jesus. With Jesus. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, Jesus, his followers, like, he says the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Like, there is a amount of sacrifice that goes into loving God, and love costs everything. Yeah. It really, it really does. does. I agree. So I think the last question, which is the most important question on our Why right. Christ show, yeah. is – Really, what is this? I mean, this is always a fun discussion, this, this theological and philosophical discussion of free will determinism, how that really goes in our lives. But I think the biggest and most important central question that we can always ask when we're talking about this stuff is how does this all wrap into why we follow Christ? Why is this so important to understand in order to follow Christ? Why does this incentivize you to actually pursue a relationship with Christ? 
In other words, just why Christ? Why Christ? <laughs> I was waiting. I'm like, I'm waiting for him just to say, why Christ? I'm like, get to it. Yeah, no, the reason it's why Christ is if you're a free will person and you know that God loves you and you know the thing that he did for you and you've accepted that, now you have all the freedom in the world to go out and actually do something about it, yeah. to share that, right? If I'm a, if I'm a determinist, there's the there's almost there's an uncertainty there i mean there's i think there's more of an uncertainty because you just don't know because we can't speak for somebody else's faith like i can't speak for your faith you can't speak for mine i'd imagine that we both believe in jesus and accept him as savior but yeah. that relationship is between you and god and it would be the same for me yeah you know so i think that's why it's so important especially if you have free will you actually like we talked about earlier you now have the ability to either choose christ or to not choose christ yeah. you should always be choosing christ but as People who are of essential nature, we have been born again into this incredibly adoptive father's family, you know, somebody who adopts like nuts, you know, he adopts like crazy. <laughs> it's just insane. He some tax deductibles. He really that. does need some tax deductibles. <laughs> Man, oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, you know, you think about it and I'm like, you know, I really hope, I genuinely hope that we can understand like the difference between free will and determinism. And it's one of those things you probably won't get like a really concrete answer for, but I think in terms of a final closing statement for for this really is that when we when it boils down, if it, I'm determined to do something, I would imagine there's a sense of apathy because you don't know who's mm-hmm. going to accept Christ and who doesn't. And that's the danger with being a determinist is if you are, there's no judgment if you are. Like I think you can still be a Christian, be a determinist by it. There are a lot of the guys actually like listening to, they're all reformed. <laughs> like because I just for whatever reason I just I love the way they their theology is I just I love the how the way they talk about it. I'm like mm-hmm. I can understand scripture better because they have a better interpretation in my opinion right yeah. um, but if you're a determinist you have to really be careful and walk like that that razor's edge of well of like apathy and like just boldness to go out and really evangelize and yeah. evangelism looks so different we can break that down into so many different things but essentially just share the love of Christ wherever you go yeah. As a free will guy, I think you have more freedom, which logically you should. If yeah. you're a free will guy, have more freedom to go out and share those things, um, regardless of if they know or not. Because I think the there's beauty in that is that, well, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. I think that's a great place to leave off. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, this is White Christ. Mm-hmm.